chaos comes, it's a chance to be initiated. You know, thinking that the United States and its ideas in church have come closest to reflecting reality is like thinking Iceland is the basketball capital of the world. It's actually a psychological disorder. F-O-M-O. Fear of missing out. When a man becomes who he was made to be by God, every day is adventure. Welcome back to the End Zones Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Blaine. And today I have a little story for you. Here in Carl Springs, we have a zoo. And at that zoo, there is a beaver. And this beaver is allergic to wood. Yeah. I kid you not. This is a real thing. We actually have a beaver that can like only eat lettuce. This thing would not have survived. But I thought about this beaver while we're having a conversation with a farmer who's colorblind, who couldn't tell if the leaves were green or brown. Yeah, that was amazing. The farmer, and I'm going to throw up quotes around farmer that we're talking about. The quotes are very accurate here. Is Josh Imhoff. Uh, We got connected through a mutual friend who said that we had to see what Josh was doing, and we were not disappointed. Josh has been around missions his entire life, has been connected with YWAM, And in the last decade or so, his vision of what it means to support and serve people has changed. Yeah, so he does this program that's partnered with YWAM and Aquaponics. And the stories that Josh has of continuing to step out into the unknown and say yes to what God is up to is amazing. So I think you guys are going to enjoy this one. So Josh, thank you for letting us invade your world here. Can we begin with you just describing kind of what we saw earlier to like bring people into the space? Yeah, we have a greenhouse. We're on 41 acres and uh, we bought this place in an intent to create an aquaponics uh, growing facility for the nations. We wanted to train and teach people all around the world how to grow their own food and also make enough money to live on. So what it is, is it's fish, it's aquaculture and hydroponics working together. So it's aquaculture is the fish side and then you have the plant side. And so you're using all the fish to actually generate all the waste for the fertilizer to grow the plants in. And we have about 27,000 plants in there. We grow about 3,000, we harvest 3,000 heads of lettuce, multiple varieties a week. So it's that's staggering, actually. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a learning curve. We've uh, none of us were actually farmers, and we just felt like this was the direction to go to feed the world. So we just jumped into it with both feet. Because seeing it, you're like, oh, you've got this dialed in, but that took some time. Yeah, we were building the system at our other property, and we got through. And I would walk in, and I'm colorblind, so I didn't know if the plants were actually the right color because I'm green, red, brown, colorblind. And I thought all the plants were growing just fine. And then someone else would come in and say, hey, none of this is actually growing. And we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't even know what the head of lettuce we were growing was supposed to look like. So we would go into the greenhouse with no knowledge and just pray and wait on the Lord to show us what to do to fix it. And one time there was, the heat was getting too high in the fish tank. We had no clue why it was happening. We sat down and we prayed. And one of the guys goes, I heard filter. So we checked all the filters and one of them was clogged. And we just kept going. 
and there was times when we didn't even know what we were doing, and I would be inside the house, and I could see the greenhouse like we are now, and I could see the greenhouse, and I would be doing dishes or something, and I'd feel like the Lord said, go out and check it, and I'd walk out, and as soon as I walk in the door, a pipe busts, and I catch it just in time to shut everything off, and so it was really this walking with the Lord going, okay, we're going to do this because we feel like you've told us this is the right direction for us, but we don't know how to do it. And so we need you to help us and we're dependent on you. Okay. Next question. <laughs> Where did you learn to walk with the Lord like that? Hmm. It was, uh, I guess my whole life, um, I've been trying to, I, I've had my offs and ons and, um, I remember I was 18. Uh, I grew up in a, in a missionary family, church family. Um, I was actually 17. I had actually started walking away from the Lord. I was doing things that I shouldn't be doing. I came home drunk one night, passed that on the couch. I woke up the next morning and my mom was sitting next to me and said, we're not getting up from this couch until God speaks to you. And it was one of those times in my life where I just learned to hear God's voice. It was, I was praying about multiple different things and what I was supposed to do. I was either going to go and start my own business or I was going to go on a missions trip to Brazil. And I've opened up my Bible and I said, okay, Lord, speak to me. I need to hear something. And um, the Lord spoke to me, Acts 7, and uh, it, Acts 7, 2, and if you know uh, Acts 7, 2, and 3, this is the Abrahamic covenant where Abraham, he says, leave your, your people and your land and go to where I'll show you. But the funny thing that is how God knows us, and I um, was praying, and where I lived in Michigan at the time, um, there was uh, a bunch of Chaldeans. If you know Chaldeans, have you heard of Chaldeans? I don't know what a Chaldean is. Chaldeans are a group of people and um, all my friends were Chaldeans, and they all came from the Middle East. So I was praying, and I got Acts 7-2, so this is me waking up in the morning, and my mom sitting me down and saying, pray. I just sat there for a couple of seconds, and I heard Acts 7-2. So I read Acts 7-2. It says, to this he replied, brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. And I went, okay, I didn't hear anything. This means nothing. And then I was like, I'll just read the next verse. And it said, leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. And that was when I was praying about going to Brazil or staying home. So I felt like that was a real confirmation to go. And then he said, so he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. And yes. I just started laughing out loud because there's no way that I was like, who even knows? I mean, they, they, all my friends were Chaldeans and they were, he, Lord was telling me to leave the land of the Chaldeans and go to Brazil at that time. And from that point on, I just started to realize that the Lord wants to speak to me and wants to walk with me closer than I could ever imagine. And I just started stepping out in faith with little stuff and saying, okay, God, what do I do today? Um, how, do I, how do I make a difference? And I need you to speak to me. There was one time, one of my favorite stories, I love Mountain Dew. My wife doesn't let me drink it anymore because it kills you. Um, but we, uh, I drank Mountain Dew all the time. And I was so poor when I was 20 
I couldn't even afford. I just joined a missions organization, Youth of a Mission, and I didn't have any money. I couldn't even afford a Mountain Dew. And I was sitting outside praying. I just worked on a car all day. It was 112 degrees. We were in Los Angeles. And I said, God, I just want a Mountain Dew. Could you just give me one Mountain Dew, please? And I walked up to my room and there was a case of Mountain Dew on my bed. And there was a letter that said, from God, I love you. And I, uh, I went through the whole dorm where I was living and started handing out Mountain Dews to everybody. And uh, there was just these little stories where you step out in faith and you trust God. And the Mountain Dew one means the most, one of the most important ones to me is because God really wants to just love us. He knows that I, yeah, I, there was, he either he brought the mountain, I picture an angel walking through the dorm and like dropping off a case of Mountain Dew. But even if he told one of my friends to do it, and, but I had just been asking him and he knew that this was the right time and just how much he loves us. And so that was, that was when I was 20. And then as I started just stepping out in faith and trusting him for more and more stuff, I have so many stories of where God just came through and yeah. made things happen. Well, some topical ones, you were telling us earlier about even this property and the one before, and those are, can you tell those again? Yes. Because they're so worth Yeah. Um, when we started the nonprofit, uh, YWAM Emerge, it was, we were just trying to s make a difference, and we were starting to, we were trying to figure out how do we do business in the nations? How do we teach people how to do business? And we were like, we want to do aquaponics, and we don't even really know how, but we need a property that we can do it on. Wait, wait, wait. So why aquaponics if you didn't know how to do it? So when we were looking at how to start businesses, we actually started several different businesses in the nations, and it was awesome. We got to see amazing things happen, but there was, uh, they always kind of ran out, and we weren't, like we did distribution businesses, and we did solar power lights and water filtration, and we did a lot in Africa, um, and those were all good, but you had to have disposable income and a lot of these people have a dollar to two dollars a day that we're trying to help and they're not eating and so we were looking yeah i was i gotta tell a story real quick so i was in sudan and um in the north not the south and uh we were sitting for dinner and this is what actually changed my whole i was a traditional missionary i went to places we hung out with kids. We did evangelism. Um, we did the typical stuff you do when you go on mission trips. And I led hundreds of mission trips. Um, been to about 60 countries. And I'm sitting down in Sudan, and we get a phone call from one of our church planners that's planning the church up north, all Muslim context. And he calls and says, hey, I don't have any money. And my wife and my two kids that are two and four haven't eaten for two days. Mm. And I remember getting off the call and going, we have to do something about this. Because if we're going to change nations, we have to come in and teach people how to have dignity in their communities. And so when our church planters aren't eating, no one's going to listen to them as they're planting the gospel or trying to plant a church because that's just, especially in the Muslim context, if you can't provide for your family, you're pretty much useless. Right. So we had these guys living there that couldn't even take care of themselves, begging all the other people for food so that they could survive. And we said, I, me and another one of my buddies, 
we sat down that night and said, we have to change this. Let's start looking at business options to give our church planners so they can feed their families every day. And so as we started to look at it, um, we ran into aquaponics. We saw it as a, a viable solution because it uses 90% less water. So in high drought areas, you can still grow your own vegetables. It also has the fish, which the fish are protein. Most of the world is lacking in protein. So now you have a protein source and you have good vegetable source, which most people don't eat enough greens, so they don't have the vitamins that they need. So we just looked at that and said, okay, this could work as a solution to actually feed orphanages, widows' homes, but also could be a viable business. So let's actually start a business. And Lauren Cunningham, the founder of Youth with a Mission, we were sitting down one day and he said, could you learn how to do this and take it to the world? And, you know, we'd already been thinking about it. We'd already been messing with it and tweaking it. But when you have Lauren, the founder of Youth with a Mission, sit down and say, this is a mandate. We need to make this happen. And I said, yes. And we, we, broke off, started our nonprofit. And then as we were starting to step into it, we we're like, is, is this God going to show up? And cause we were nobodies. We had nothing. Uh, we had no money. We were, we rented a house that we couldn't afford. We had to pray every month just to get enough money to pay the bills. We had a garage that I had to get up at four in the morning and turn heaters on space heaters. So that it was warm enough in the winter. So that it would only be like 55 degrees in the garage. And we'd all wear our jackets and I look back at these pictures and I just see where God's taken us. And so we felt like the Lord said, buy property. And everyone was like, there's no way you can buy property. You have no money. You have nothing. And we, so we started looking at properties. We looked at one property and we tried to make an offer on it and we didn't get it. And then we looked at another property and it was five acres and it was a horse property. We really felt like we needed a horse property so we could grow and build. And so it was five acres. We walked on the property. We prayed. And we all felt like this was the property we were supposed to buy. Well, our real estate agent who came with us said, okay, what do you want to do? And I said, let's, I do nothing about real estate and how it all worked. I said, make an all cash offer for a 30 day close. And he goes, do you have any money? And I go, no, but God's going to provide. He told us he was going to, we were going to buy this and he's going to give us the money. My real estate agent thought we were crazy. Probably for a good reason. <laughs> so it was, it was really uh, stepping out in faith. And we were like, okay, this is the property. We need to purchase it. And about that same time, um, a friend of ours here in town, Marvin, uh, calls me and says, hey, can we have coffee? And I said, sure. And so we sit down and we start having coffee. And he goes, the weirdest thing happened to me. I'm buying property up north. And I walked into the door and as soon as I stepped into the property, I felt like the Lord said, buy Josh property. Backstory to this, I didn't even really know Marvin. Marvin was just an acquaintance. I'd never really hung out with him. We've probably had coffee two or three times ever. And so when he called me to have coffee, I thought it was a little strange. And he's, so we're, he's sitting there going, okay, so I don't, are you looking for property? And I said, yeah, we're, we're trying to buy this property right here on five acres up, up north. He goes, okay, let's go look at it. So we go and look at the property and he goes, what do you need from me? And I said, I, what do you mean? He goes, well, the Lord told me to help you buy property. What do you need from me to get this property? Cause this is God. And I said, well, I need a loan. I can't get a loan. We just started our nonprofit. Nobody has, we don't have any history. They won't take mine. Um, and he said, okay, I'll loan you up to a million dollars. 
for you to buy property and get going. And so then the other side of that is we had to raise a certain amount down because he said, I want you to pay so much down. And we started praying and we only had three weeks. Right. Because of the 30 day close. <laughs> right. So at this point we had 30 days and I think we had to have like $70,000 in 30 days, but it was now 21 days. And so we just started calling people and talking to people and, um, we'd get like $500 and then a thousand dollars. And then someone else gave us a little bit. And we had random people that didn't even know us. A church here in town just said, we heard you're buying property and they gave us a $10,000 check and just people just started giving. And, um, on the day of closing, we had the exact amount that we needed to give to him for us to purchase the property. Come on. And That's it was, unreal. <laughs> I love that story. Yeah, it was. And you were asking, how do you learn to trust and how do you learn to step out? I mean, it was, it, it was such an intense time and you're always in the back of your mind you know you heard god you know but you're like is he really going to show up is this really going to happen is he really going to make this all come together and you're constantly going back to the lord and spending time with him and saying okay god you got to come through and then we knew that we were growing because we built that greenhouse it was working amazing um we were training people we were building greenhouses and orphanages around the world um starting businesses with people and some things happened. It was actually one of the hardest times uh, for my wife and I. Um, we we had bought property uh, right beside our other property. And the day we showed up for after closing, there was hazmat all over the property and there was a hazardous waste spill on our property that we had just purchased. Um, I went into six months of litigation we had moved out of our house and moved into our RV to build a home. And so we lived in an RV with four of our kids and we also had lost a baby. And you wonder, is this going to happen? You know, we've done all this stuff and I'm serving you. Why did we lose property? Why did we lose a baby? Why are, and things were just starting to hum for the ministry. The ministry was just rocking. We were making money. People were excited. We were building systems around the world. And we're like, God, do you care about us? Or do you just care about the ministry? Mm. And it was one of those wrestle times for us. And in the midst of that, um, we stepped out and we just said, God, we we're going to trust you for more. And we're going to trust you for our family. And um, we felt like God said, we need to grow. And even though we just lost a lot, that that was still, God wanted us to step into something bigger and going, okay, we just had this happen, so now how are we gonna see you do something else? And it was just intense. Um, right. And so we, were, we looked at this place seven years ago. This was the other place that I looked at seven years ago and we made an offer and didn't get. And it's Thanksgiving, it was the day before Thanksgiving and I called the owner of this place and I say, um, hey, we want to purchase your property. And this place is 41 and a half acres. Uh, it's, it's amazing, beautiful. Uh, it's got a greenhouse that's 10 times bigger than the one we had at our other property. So we're slowly building that out. Um, and we knew that this place would be a room for us to grow. This was not a five-year property. This is more like a 30-year property. And so we, we knew that we were supposed to do it. I talked to my wife. We prayed. And I, so I called the, the owner. He said never going to sell. 
I love the property. Um, I'll lease you the house and the greenhouse, one of the houses in the greenhouse. And you can have that. And I said, I don't want the house in the greenhouse. And um, to lease it, I want to own this place. We're not going to move there unless we can purchase. And so he came to me, or we started talking back and forth. And I felt like the Lord just said, tell him it's yours. This is on the phone call. Yes. The day before Thanksgiving. So I'm standing on outside of my parents' house and I'm on the phone with him and I say, I really feel like the Lord just told me it's, it's, it's mine and you're supposed to sell it. And uh, he laughed at me and said, okay, I'll pray. I said, will you pray? And he says, okay, I'll pray. So him and his wife go and pray and they call me back about five days later and he says, it's yours. And then he asks this great question, do you have any money? And we said, no, we have no money. We have our other property that we can sell, but um, that'll take time. And he goes, okay, I've got um, a certain amount of money into the property. He goes, why don't you just give me 1.4 million for the property? And there's houses that are a million to 7 million across the street and they're on two acres. And so we were, we, I said, okay, that sounds like a fair price. We still got it appraised for other reasons and it appraised higher than that. And um, he goes, so you can't afford it, but you want to buy it. And I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, I'll give you your down payment, part of your down payment to buy it from me. And then he says, I'll owner finance. He goes, can you get a bank, any banks to give you money? I said, no. He goes, I'll owner finance at 3% for 30 years. So we went from not having any money to now having him be the bank for this new property like Marvin was for the other property. And then God just started moving on his heart and said, I feel bad. Do you guys need to uh, have all the equipment, like the tractors, skid steers, lawnmowers, riding lawnmowers, because you have all this space? And he said, I've put about $100,000 into buying all that stuff. I said, do you want to roll it in the price of the property? He said, how about I just make a donation? And so he donated all the equipment to us. And then we had a guy show up and he goes, your roof's leaking. He goes, I can just tell. And I go, who are you? I didn't even know who he was. His name's Guy. <laughs> a guy named Guy. <laughs> and so he climbs up on top of my roof and he goes, you, yeah, you got leaks here. You got leaks here. He goes, you've redone the inside of the house, but the roof is, is terrible. And he goes, um, try to get some stuff donated. And so I called a bunch of places here in town, didn't get anything donated. He came back out and he said, this is a $60,000 roof and downspouts and gutters. He goes, but my wife and I've been praying and we feel like we're supposed to do it for you. Never met him, never talked to him, just showed up one day and put a new roof on our house. And so we just started seeing these things happen. Mm-hmm. We had people just drive up that had never given money and say, we've heard about you, but we want to give you money. And they'd give us $10,000, $20,000 and say, you're supposed to do this. And it was like the manna, like in that season where you just get manna, like it's just coming and Everyone's like, you have so much faith. I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. Yeah. I'm like, God's just showing up doing stuff. So we, we redid the main house, which someone actually paid for all that. There was one guy, one of the guys that gave money said, hey, I really want to see the pool working because we have an outdoor pool. It's like 70 years old and it was disgusting. And he said, I'm going to give all the money to get the pool going because I think you guys need to have fun here on the property. I mean, it was just random people coming and starting to give money for us to... And every month we're going, how are we going to pay the bills? Mm. And how are we going to make this work? And God just every month 
has showed up for the last two years. We purchased the property officially in August last year. And um, it's just been incredible. Even with the greenhouse that you guys saw, there was nothing in there. And we built it from scratch, designed it, um, and all the money for that just came in. They're mind-blowing, awesome, awesome stories. And what's, what I'm finding is also really helpful is that it's just it's one step at a time, and it's not like you won the lottery with what God was up to, and it's been a cakewalk ever since. That it's there's difficulty, question, heartbreak, and then the invitation to more in a season where I would want to like go to self-protective turtle shell, leave me alone. That like that factor actually makes it the more beautiful because it's one step and then the next step. And there's that intimacy that is just really truly makes it beautiful. We were just talking about it this morning, my wife and I, no one can take credit for this. Right. Right. Yeah. Only God. Mm. It's just scary to be a part of. I'm freaking out a little bit as I'm listening to you and it appeals to me deeply. I want to ask, you know, so for example, 2018, my wife and I are praying words for the year and we hear growth and hear the growth of your family, hear a girl, um, we get pregnant again with a girl, but then we lose that daughter and still have this word of like, blessing, growth. What practices do you do when you're in panic mode? Or what, is, what does panic mode look like around here of, it's falling apart, we, we've seen God come through before, but we also need him to come through right now. Yeah, it, it's, um, I'm learning to lean into him more. And, it, you know, I tell the stories and you think we lean in a lot, but I like to have control and the stuff we're doing, I have no control. Like as, you know, you want to be able to know where we're going and how it's getting there. When we hit panic mode, which we're in all the time, pretty much. Um, <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> so, uh, um, like, right. Yeah. I could tell you stories just for right now that we need God to come through. And what I've learned is, is I have to be with him. Um, my son, uh, Eli, he's our third, we have five and my son, Eli was diagnosed and he's special needs. He's got apraxia, um, which is a motor planning disorder and he can't really speak. Um, he couldn't jump. He could, he had issues. He tripped a lot. We went to the number one specialist in the world, um, and went and met with her for four weeks and they told us there was no hope for him and he would have to never be able to function normally. And I remember crying for three days with my wife. We just laid in bed and cried. Mm. And we were like, God, what is going on? So we're driving back and the chair of our board, who's an amazing man of God, Al, he called me and I'm just crying on the phone with him. I'm like, they're saying there's no hope. Um, and he just says, that's a lie. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, no, we're going to speak to Eli right now and he's going to be healed. Mm. And he goes, we're not going to believe the experts. We have Jesus. And we just started praying on the phone and just saying it out that he's going to be fine and he's going to be healed. And he goes to therapies uh, 10 hours a week. Um, 
and he's in speech therapy, he's in occupational therapy, he's in physical therapy, he does mouth therapy, he does all these different therapies. And we now see him starting to come out. And even this, even last, it was yesterday, Monday, two days ago, um, the therapist at his clinic, he was rated last year the most improved out of thousands of kids. Mm. And then two days ago, they just said, he just tricks us. He's so much smarter than he lets anyone know because he'll just start saying stuff and doing things. And they're like, you were, shouldn't be able to do any of this. And so even like that, it's, I believe God's going to heal him. I believe that there's going to, but there's this, how do you walk it out every day and trust that God's doing stuff? And partly is surrounding yourself with people that are going to call you out when you're in the depths of despair. And I have people that I can call and they'll go, we need to believe that God's going to do this. And so that's, I think for me, I have a group of uh, men. I just was in Kazakhstan fishing. I have mosquito bites all over my body. Uh, We went out into the wilderness, slept on the floor, and just spent time together hanging out, eating meat. And, um, but these guys are people that I know I can lean into and say, hey, this is what's going on. How do I, how do I grow? Because I don't have it all figured out. And so I think that's a big piece. Like when we have chaos, my wife is who I lean on to a lot. I'm like, babe, how do we do this? And she always has so much wisdom. We were sitting out drinking coffee this morning on our deck, just getting wisdom. I think having great relationship with your wife and also having great relationship with men and women of God that can hold you accountable and remind you. And we were just praying this morning. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. So, yeah, yeah, that's super good. So walking around the, the aquaponics and seeing the farm, like just, it looks like aqueducts with the two tiered floating plants that are growing there. You're selling to a bunch of different restaurants in town and not like little ones, like ones that we would know they're successful restaurants. You could look at that and go, wow. So like business and mission clearly successful. You hear the story that you shared earlier about the missionary who couldn't provide for himself. Like it feels like a no brainer. That's been a cakewalk for you, hasn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Making people see that same vision and see it as mission. It is amazing. Um, When we started, everyone just thought we were crazy. I mean, it was, they're like, this isn't real ministry. Um, You running a business and uh, we understand that you're doing a business to help people in the other countries, but it's not really ministry. And um, we started looking at how do we start teaching people how that this is ministry, like your life and your business and doing what you do can be your ministry. So um, we, we started selling at farmer's markets too. And people were like, well, you're selling at farmer's markets. What? We had a scripture in, in Jeremiah 29 where it says, bless the city that you came from and it'll, it'll, you'll be a blessing and then it'll bless you. Mm. And so we felt like we were really supposed to plug into our community. And so we started uh, looking at churches. We built one for my church and they feed the homeless now with the produce that they they have. Um, but we were at the farmer's market and I said, okay, how do we integrate business and mission together? And we wanted to get our name out and meet the people in the community. And most of the people that go to farmer's markets are not, um, traditional churchgoers. And so we it's were a like, fairly crunchy crowd. Yes. Yes, it is. And so we were, 
we were like, how do we really hang out with these people and love on them? So we just hung up a sign that said, we'll pray for you. And we were selling lettuce to people. We'd, we'd pray for people. And then um, one of our guys was like, hey, that guy's on crutches. And I really feel like we're supposed to pray for him. And um, I was like, go for it. And he goes over and prays for him and he gets healed. And he walks away with his crutches on his shoulder. And all of our guys are like, so this is what it's like to actually be doing business and doing ministry all at the same time and showing people we're not beating people up and telling people about it. They're coming to us and they're wanting to find out who we are and what we're doing and why we're doing it. And then we started getting all these volunteers out here um, that never go to church. They're not Christians and we just get to hang out with them Mm. and show them that we love Jesus and we love them. And so I think as we started to practice it, people started to go, okay, maybe this is real. It was really hard for a season with people saying that what we were doing wasn't ministry. And I had to know that it was the word of the Lord to us to keep going because if we would have listened to everyone else, we'd have quit. And some of your friends that are ministry people that are saying, man, you're missing it. And you're going, no, we're not. But yeah, we're going to keep going for what God's told us to go after. And now we've had some of the largest churches in the U.S. come out and meet with us to figure out how to do this globally. Then I guess the ministry people started going, wait a second, there's something here. Because if these guys are flying in from Atlanta and these guys are flying in from Reading and these guys are flying in from these different places and saying, hey, we want to, we just want to see what you're doing because it's a new model. Um, and you're doing missions and you're doing ministry. And now you're trying to reproduce this in the nations for orphanages and widows homes. And you're trying to actually give pastors and church planners jobs and they said this actually could work, but it took about 10 years of everyone thinking we were crazy before they actually stepped in. And now people are going, wait, this could happen. This, this actually, maybe you were hearing from God. Maybe this was Jesus. And you're going, it was the whole time. And I think this, the sector. So I spent a lot of time in the business and missions world. We run conferences around the world, but it's as a business person, that is a call of God on their life. And how do we empower them to walk in that call and bring the gospel wherever they go? And so as us starting businesses in the nations, from day one, we teach this is a business, but you are running this business to glorify God and you're going to bring people to Jesus. So who are your, who's your market? Who are you trying to reach out to? As you're, if you're selling to restaurants, the chefs are talking to you. Are you talking to them about God? Why we do what we do? How do you just bring it into conversation? How do you live out a life while you're doing your business and bringing the gospel at the same time and planning the church. And so it's been this uh, learning curve for the last 10 years of us running these conferences and talking about it. So now we're, my paradigm has completely shifted of what I think ministry and business is. How many of these things have you built around the world? These greenhouses slash systems? Yeah, um, we've built probably 20 or 30 in the last, um, the last four years, five years and, uh, in multiple different places, big ones, small ones. We have huge ones that we've built for orphanages. And then we have really small ones that are just bucket systems that we've built, uh, just for people to have in their backyard so they can feed their little family of four or five people. But now with the, what we're trying to do is make it as simple as possible so we can actually build thousands of them. And so that's our goal over the next year 
is to get the system so dialed in that we can send this anywhere in the world and we can have a business that starts that will feed a family and also they'll be able to make enough money to provide for their family and have dignity. So yeah, we've built a bunch. We built a bunch in the U.S. too, um, and now we have, like I said, there's churches that are contacting us saying, hey, can we build these? Um, can we have these for groups? Uh, there's some groups here in town um, transitioning women coming out of prison, men coming out of prison. How do we give them jobs where there's a safe environment for them to work, where they can just be themselves and you can teach them life skills? So the, there's actually a couple of interns here right now. Uh, we have one that's going to go back to Dallas-Fort Worth and build one for inner city. And then we have another intern that's going to Zimbabwe to uh, build for an orphanage and live there. Um, we have other interns that have come that we've built in Uganda um, for orphanages. So it's a lot of times now we're starting to train and trying to reproduce ourselves so that it's not us carrying everything. Just come and learn from us. And you can, just by being with us, you're going to learn it. And then we can we can reproduce it with you going to these different countries. Yeah, this is where I... I I want to land is the future as you think about it. Unpredictable would be probably a rhythm of yes. your last 10, 15 years. It feels like you are just now entering into a rhythm. You, you paid this off. You bought this place a year ago. Um, the next year you're building out this new system that should be reproducible and streamlined. And you were mentioning to us, like if something happens in another part of the world, you'll know what it is. Cause they're not all custom anymore. Um, what is your posture? What is your, when you, when you think about one year, two years, three years, what's your posture? What comes to mind? So I was just in Central Asia and, um, one of the, one of our friends, um, that was there said, Hey, I, once we get this figured out, um, we want to introduce you to the president of this certain country so that we can build these all over Central Asia. And, um, what I'm seeing now is the rapid growth that we're not ready for. We coming to this place, it was a times 10 from where we were and we needed more staff and more people and more things. And God's brought them, you know, they say that you think you're going to do more in one year than you actually do. But in 10 years, you, you sell yourself so much shorter because yeah, you don't realize how exponentially faster it starts to grow. And one of the words to us has been the olive tree. And an olive tree, uh, certain types of olive trees take seven years before they bear fruit. And then it takes another 35 years uh, before it actually has good fruit. And then it bears fruit for really good fruit for about 170 years. And um, then it becomes cyclical and it goes every other year where it bears good fruit for another like thousand years. And so there's 5,000 year old olive trees. And one of the things that we've been praying for this place is that we would take our time, build correctly, and that it would be something that would last for thousands of years. Like we're building not, I might not see the, the stuff that we're building come to fruition, the stuff that we feel like God said, but I am so excited. We are in a place to see growth and I, I can't say some of the stuff that is coming together right now. Um, and we are going to have impact in nations that you can't get to and you can't go to because of this ability to do business. And um, we're going to have impact in places that traditional missions you can't do. 
And that's what gets me up. It's not aquaponics. I don't get out of bed every morning. Much as you're stoked because he goes <laughs> tilapia. <laughs> um, it's, I know we're changing, we're going to change nations. And there is no question in my mind. I know church planters and pastors and orphanages and widows homes, they're going to be able to eat. They're going to be able to feed themselves. They're going to be able to plant the church. We're going to see businesses launched and we're already starting to see it happen and seeing the fruit and yeah, it's uh, the future. I'm just excited to see what God does next because we're, if we're just being faithful, like you were saying earlier, just step, then we take another step and a lot of times, if you knew where you were going to end up, you would have never gone that way because it would have just scared the stink out of you and you would have been running the other direction. And that's what I feel like is the Lord won't reveal to us the end, but he's just given us the next step. And he's given us the next step. And if you would have told me we'd be here right now, four years ago, five years ago, when we stepped out and started our own nonprofit, I would have laughed at you. We're really excited. Our team's excited. We feel like we have momentum. We're in a great spot right now. 